Good morning, everyone. Once again, we're so glad that you're joining us today. We're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at the first several verses, and we're going to speak about rejoicing in our suffering. Um, can we or should we rejoice in our suffering? Now, generally, in the natural, it's hard to, to rejoice sometimes in our suffering, right? Um, some might argue and say, you can't even do it. You can't really understand it. It needs to be done in a, in a spiritual mindset. And uh, so the question still might exist. Can we rejoice in our suffering? Or maybe a better question is, should we rejoice in our suffering? And I think the simple answer is yes, because it often leads to other things, greater things, uh, if we allow it to. And Paul is speaking in the first few chapters of Romans. He's speaking about sin. He's speaking about salvation. He's speaking about faith, and both to the Jew and to the Gentile. And they're both under sin and the wrath of God, and they both need saving. In Romans 1, verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And in chapter 5, it continues to build on this idea of justification by faith that leads to salvation, which leads to peace with God. And this morning, we're going to be looking at three main things, rejoicing in your suffering, rejoicing in hope, and rejoicing in God's glory, which leads to peace. But it all begins with suffering. So we're going to get into this message. I entitled it, Rejoice in Our Sufferings, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 5 and looking at the first 11 verses. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, right? Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to underline that while you were still a sinner, God sends his love. He shows his love. He died for you. He died for me. And since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more have, shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So let's just pray and continue with this uh, message today. Oh God, please help us, O oh Lord. Help us to see you in all that takes place, O oh God, in our suffering, in our pain, Lord, in our hard times, and even in our good times, in, in bad health, in good health. Lord, help us. Help us to see you, O oh God. And Lord, we pray that you bless these words and that you continue to minister to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, most of us do not want suffering in their life. You don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, this is going to be a great day. I'm going to suffer, and I really can't wait to have persecution. In fact, fear and dread will probably take over if someone said, tomorrow I'm going to beat you up. Tomorrow I'm going to cause you pain and suffering. Now, just imagine um, for a moment business owners and homeowners and really any good people these days that might just be living in this little area of Seattle right now, and they wake up one day to this zone called the autonomous zone where lawlessness rules the day. The police department is shut down and they vacated the building and they're not there and they declared, or the people declared, this little area separate from the United States of America. This is the beginning of anarchy in that place and it really makes no sense to me how a governor and how leaders can allow this to happen and I would just love if that person would just have to be forced to live right in the center of that, those few blocks in a tent and just deal with all the lawlessness themselves, right? It's crazy. It's anarchy. We're living in a time where if you just say a like on Facebook or a tweet or whatever it might be, people are going to want to shut you down. Even if thousands of people are going to be negatively affected by the shutdown, right? Uh, people are going to suffer for it. Why? Because some people simply don't care if you suffer. They simply care about their own personal political views and agenda. And that goes before anything else. But listen, most people don't want to suffer on purpose, right? We want to respect the laws and, and we want order. We want law and order, right? And so, but what happens, just what happens if suffering produces something within you that will help you live and lead a godly life and, and, and move you in the direction that God has called you to move? What if anything that comes your way could eventually be used for something good? And, and when you get to the other side of it, when you get through the storm, when you get to the other side of it, it's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be clear. It's going to be green and uh, green pastures. It's going to be a, a beautiful day outside, whatever that means to you, and fresh air, right? It's just going to be nice waiting for you. More importantly, what if God takes your woes and these hard times and the suffering to get your attention, right? He does something good with your suffering and your pain, like putting forth his own agenda, like bringing forth his own will, so that lives can be transformed by his power. Currently, we're living in times where there's just so much chaos and confusion out there and suffering. There's sickness and health and, and disease and hardship and financial uh, turns and economic hardships, right? COVID-19, uh, global pandemic, these riots and looters and, and businesses and buildings being burned and all this stuff. What happens if some of these things, many of these things would just lead somehow, some way to accomplish God's will for your life? What then? How would you see it, right? Would it be a curse still or would it be a blessing from God? And I really think it depends on how we view God and how we see God and how we see our future, right? I believe we sought to understand God's providence. Um, as we see his hand in many of these things, as we go forward through your life, we see his hands. And then we start seeing his providence. We start just rejoicing and being glad and thankful in all seasons, in all times, not necessarily for all things. Uh, generally speaking, I don't want pain. I don't want sorrow. I don't want heartache. I don't want hardship. I don't want suffering. But if I could start I'm seeing God in it and something good and I start knowing that I'm at the center of his will things are going to start helping uh, and start changing I know he's guiding me and helping me and supporting me and delivering me and, and 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 providing for me developing me right my attitude and my understanding 
starts to change, right? When I have a heart change and I have a mind change, I start seeing God differently. I start seeing God with more clarity. And I welcome whatever he has for me because whatever he has for me is what's really what's best for me, amen? I want to be at the center of his will. And even though I might not see it right then, even though I might not understand it at that moment, I know that he is God, he is good, and he loves me and he's doing everything he can for me and he is supreme, he's a supreme God. Now, let me say this from the beginning, too. Um, are, are you saying, Pastor, that these riots and these looters and these, and these crimes and criminals are, are, are all being put forth by God? No, I am not saying that at all. But he allows it, right? He, he allows it, right? He can stop it if he chose to. Um, he, he can send one angel to, to open up the, the, the gates of heaven and wipe out all this lawlessness just like that. He can open up the ground. He can open up the earth and the ground could open up and consume all this lawlessness and all this evil that's being done, right? Because he's all powerful and he sees all things and he knows all things. You cannot hide from him. Your very thoughts, you cannot hide from him. He's not surprised by any of this. Now, someone can hit you over the head with a pipe, and we've seen that done, where people are hitting cops and other people over the head with pipes and sticks. But God can turn that really to a loaf of bread if he wanted to. He can make it turn into jello or something else or some other object that when you go to do something painful, it causes no pain, right? But he doesn't work that way. He gives you free choice. He gives you free will. He gives you the freedom to make choices. So what will you do with your freedom? What will you do with your freedom? And what we know, we see it right now, the last several weeks, we see that people will do evil. People will be vicious. People will harm and hurt society. Many people will turn to lawlessness and do other crimes and hateful things. Humanity, in the absence of God, turns to lawlessness and depravity. Now, suffering might lead to many things, but it doesn't always lead to bad things. For example, suffering can lead to hope and to God's glory. And so through suffering, we find salvation and peace and joy. And that's a good thing. But it starts with suffering. It starts through suffering. So, so number one, rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice in suffering. Now, your suffering needs to go somewhere, right? It needs to go somewhere good. Uh, because if it's just bad suffering, and that's it, and that's all you can see, then you become hopeless and, and you become hurt and broken and lost. But the Bible says that we are justified through faith. And this is hopeful. This is speaking about salvation. We are justified by grace through faith. Now, there's two types of people, I believe, in the human race, saved or unsaved. Those who turn their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and those who don't. And in this first chapter of Romans, it speaks about those who are guilty according to God's law. And the Bible says in Romans 3... 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So you see, we all sin. We all sin. We all have fall short of the glory of God. We have all failed. We, all, we have all missed the mark and fallen short of that mark like an archer shooting. They missed that mark. None of us are justified before God by our own standards and our own methods. In fact, we, have, we are born sinners from birth because 
Because we, we had this opportunity, before we had this opportunity really to do anything good or bad, we are sinners. We have been born with this sinful nature. We are sinners. And so it's by the grace of God, his favor, that we can be set free from sin and bondage and this depravity and these consequences from sin. And if you keep reading this Romans chapter 5, chapter beginning at 12, and you just start reading it, you'll see that sin entered the world through one man. And sin leads to death, spiritual death, as well as physical death. And that, with, that, with that sinful nature, with that sin that took place, uh, we know that sickness and loneliness and fear and nakedness and banishment from God's presence among a host of many other things, it led to marital problems and leadership issues and discouragement and pain and suffering. You see, before there was the law, before the Ten Commandments was even given in the book of Exodus, uh, sin was still in the world. And Adam was given a command by God uh, in the Garden of Eden, and he disobeyed God, and he sinned. And when he sinned, he, he spiritually, he died. And now he passes on this, this uh, death DNA, which causes us to be separated uh, from God. And when we disobey God, we sin, but we're also born into sin. We need to understand that we have a sinful nature. And that is why I believe that young children very often, little babies, you'll see them right away. They'll sin and they'll, 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 they'll lie. They'll, they'll, they'll be very selfish. Mine, 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 right? See, they're born with this sinful nature. Their parents didn't even teach them that. And so regardless if you think you're good, uh, a kind, smart, charitable, generous, beautiful, uh, whatever, whatever you might think, right? All those things might be true and all those things are good, uh, but, but you're still a sinner and you're unable to, sell, uh, to save yourself from, from hell and banishment from God. And so while you might think, hey, Adam, man, you really messed up and, and, you're, and, and that initial sin is messed up and now you messed us all up um, and you're above him and you're better than him, you need to understand that sin um, you sin regularly yourself and you need rescuing and you need a savior and that's where many find themselves today needing a savior jesus christ and if you don't think really you need saving at all then pride is being lived out the sin of pride is being lived out and act out through you right now and you're aligning with your father the devil and you're causing in a sense making god out to be a liar and you damn yourself and you condemn yourself because whoever thinks they do not need saving whoever does not believe in the lord jesus christ the son of god the lord and savior stands condemned already and so because of adam we have sinned and we need saving. And so while many die by the trespass of one man, Adam, many will become saved by God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man who is God, who is Jesus Christ. Let me say clearly, Jesus Christ is God. God is Jesus. Now, some see this sin nature as unfair. But the truth is God is good and God is just. So, so that's where we need to stay. And we are sinners and we have a death future and a banishment from God if we're left to our own personal agenda, will, and ways. So we need saving and God makes a way for us to be saved. But your stubbornness and unrepented heart will lead you to pain and suffering that will go beyond earth and into eternity, where there will be gnashing of teeth, the Bible says. Now listen, church, many pastors and leaders never really want to touch about a, a, a hell 
or pain or suffering or damnation, especially on a Sunday morning. And personally, I get it. Tell people you're a winner. We're all winners. You're all winners. Winners, winners, winners. Every, make them feel good about themselves, even if they're damned. Make them feel good about themselves. It sounds better. You, maybe you'll raise more money. Maybe you'll do some good deeds. May, maybe you'll get some more things done. Whatever. I don't know. But, but I'm not really interested in tickling your, your itching ears with these lies or hide behind some mask or clothing pretending to tell truth when in fact it's a lie. We are born uh, sinners and we will die sinners unless we turn to Jesus Christ and repent for our sins. And while many reject this truth, many protest against this truth and against this reality, they're simply showing their sinful nature being lived out in their actions, words, and deeds. And listen, time is short. And so people are dying and they're going to hell. And they need Jesus. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. People are suffering because they live in this fallen world. And so some people might say, why do we have suffering? Why do we have pain? I believe I answered it multiple times. We live in a fallen world, a sinful world. People do bad things. Because they're left to their own depravity and selfishness. They live for themselves, right? Instead of living for God. And when that happens, we see what happens. Lawlessness, depravity, and the world of hurt and pain and suffering. Now for the believer, you will suffer. You will have trials and tribulations on earth. But I'd rather have them now for a short season, right? And be able to spend eternity with God. Then deny his truth and suffer for eternity. And the Bible says in Romans 2 verse 5. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart. You're storing up wrath against yourself on the day of God's wrath. When righteous judgment will be revealed. He is the judge. He, he, he loves you but he's also a judge. God will give to each person according to what he has done to those whom by persistent in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now, let me be clear here what this is saying, or at least this portion of it. The good here, that the word good here, are not good deeds that lead to salvation. You see, salvation is a gift from God. And while we ought to do good deeds, they don't earn you salvation. They come out, those good deeds come out after you serving God and serving others. As we love God, as we model Christ, we're able to serve others. We're able to love others others and we are to be faithful servants and good servants putting forth God's will and right and blessing other people in the process uh, because we understand that all our wealth all our gifts everything that we have comes from God Ephesians 2 verse 8 says it this way for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not for yourself it is a gift from God not by works why so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So while we are to do good, good works, we are saved and justified by faith, through faith. Now there will be suffering in life. You need to understand that. And for many, there's going to be suffering in the life to come to those who reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master and as the Messiah. 
But for the believer, listen up, for the believer, you will only suffer on earth. Not, not forever, right? Because in the next life, we will continue to be with our Lord and Messiah forever and ever, for eternity, for infinite, right? He will wipe away all our tears and pain and shame, right, and suffering. And therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we, have, we now stand. Now, I like to point this out as well. Suffering can lead to peace. But not just the peace of God that only comes from him, but the peace with God. And that has everything to do with salvation and making your life right with Jesus Christ. You see, in many places around the world, and really in this country as well, there are battles going on and people have just simply lost their peace. Uh, people are fighting all over the place, right? Uh, wars and rumor of wars, cops battling people, people battling cops. Last week we saw riots and looters and there was, seemed to be like no peace and no peace in many of the streets and large cities for sure. And I get that because when sin is running wild, you have this type of lawlessness and depravity, right? Because, because the earth groans, right? The earth groans over this no peace. Because of sin, people... Um, do terrible things and there's wickedness and pain and suffering the Bible clearly tells us there's gonna be conflicts and and trials in our future there will be trials there will be suffering the second Corinthians 12 touches on this verse 9 my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness this is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, I delight in my suffering. I delight in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So there will be suffering, church. You need to understand that. And we are not to have peace with sin. We are not to have peace with the devil. We are not to have peace with the world. And we cannot have real peace, full peace, as long as Satan is running around doing evil things and trying to kill and destroy, there's going to be persecution of the church. There's going to be persecution of the saints of God. And bad things are going to happen to good people. You need to know this. Sin does this. But in our suffering for Christ, by the power of God, he's going to make us strong. So once we're saved through faith in God, we're no longer battling God. At salvation, you make peace with God. And this can lead to the peace of God. You see, you stop fighting God and, and you yield to Him. Jesus is our peace. Can you say peace? Can you even write peace? Peace, peace, peace. Jesus is our peace. And when you fully submit your life to Him, we get peace. We get the peace with God. We get the peace of God. And so we can rejoice uh, as believers, knowing that, the, that he loved us, that God loves us so much that he's willing to die for you and he's willing to die for me and he's willing to go to the cross. He suffered at the cross and he died for us so that we can live. And it's through his suffering, his death, his burial, his resurrection that we can find salvation to those and only those who place their full trust and assurance in him and him alone. And so we gain access to God by faith in God. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we rejoice in his suffering. First knowing that he had to do such a great sacrifice for us at the cross. To remove the sting of death and this hell damnation. Which is our destiny without Christ. And we rejoice in our suffering as well. Because we know it's only for a little while. 
And when it's finished, we will spend eternity forever with our King of Kings and Lords of Lords. Right? So while we suffer for a little while on earth, we rejoice in our forever and forever that we're going to be with Christ. Now, God's grace, his unmerited favor, is given through Jesus and received by faith in him. You see, we all deserve death and punishment from his presence, banishment from his presence. That's what we deserve. But by receiving grace, we gain salvation and right standing before a holy God. Because our relationship with God, we get to stand before him and we get direct access to him. And his attitude towards us, get this, is love, it's grace, it's mercy, grace, it's favor, it's un an undeserved favor. So we don't deserve this grace and love and his favor that God has towards us, right? We don't deserve that. It, um, and, but we need to understand it, that, when, that he, he, we are highly favored for God. And so if we understand how much he loves us and what he's done for us, our life will be different, our thoughts will be different, our actions will be different, right? Our life is going to be different. We deserve death, we deserve hell, but we get mercy instead. We don't receive the punishment that we deserve, but what we get is grace. And with that comes the favor and the love of God. We get access now to heaven, not hell. We get access to heaven. And, and, and God is pouring out his love on us. To those who trust him, to those who obey him, to those who are willing to follow him. It's through his suffering that we can rejoice knowing that we are now saved. And we can take comfort in this. Comfort in this. Comfort through our suffering. We, we now can comfort others who are going through these things, who are suffering and in trouble with their comfort because we received from God, right? Suffering in the trouble with comfort we receive from God. And 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 speaks about God the Father of compassion and He's the God of all comfort so we can comfort others in our suffering. He loves us before we did anything good or bad, church. He loved you, He loved me. It's through grace and the cross that we see his love displayed and love in action. And this should lead us to praise him instead of fearing him. We love him because he first loved us. And we can spend more time praising him uh, instead of fearing him. Love changes things and love covers a multitude of sin. When we are saved, our suffering can turn to joy. Because no matter what happens to us, we're saved and we're set free by the power of God and we're going to spend eternity with Him. This should cause us to rejoice and to shout and to get excited. Hallelujah. And this should want you to worship Him more and more and more. Praise the name of the Lord. God, God's love should flood our hearts and our minds and our soul. His ever-present love should be experienced. We should experience God's love that sustains us in our suffering and assures us of the future hope of God's glory. So we rejoice in suffering. And number two, we rejoice in hope, in hope. But we don't place our hope and, and trust in just anyone or anything. It's placed in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So we are to be hopeful people because we trust God, because we place our faith and trust in Jesus, in God, who is able, who is more than able. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask and imagine according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory to the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our suffering. Why? Why? 
Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So we don't suffer for nothing. We go through these stages and we go through these suffering because it leads to hope. Now growing up I had an uncle who said never, never pray for patience. Because when you do comes tribulations and trials. And, and you know I said that for many years and sometimes I still say that. But, but that's not really the correct position in my, in my opinion to hold. The correct position is Lord whatever it takes. Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes for me, for you to make me the person that you want me to be. Yes. Whatever it takes, Lord. And that's what I want. And that's what our prayer should be. Whatever it be. Bring me low, oh God. Get, get my attention, oh God. Make it so hard on me that I cry out to you, oh God. Whatever it takes, oh God. For some of you, you haven't suffered enough to cry out to God. You haven't suffered enough to turn to Him. You have not gone low enough yet to stand up in His presence and welcome His presence and trust Him. You see, you want the easy life. You want the good life. You want the safe life. You want the complacent life. You want the comfortable life. You want the, the wise road life which gets you really where even though the narrow gate is where we're supposed to go for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road to lead to life and only a few will find it church there will be suffering on earth for the saved and the unsaved there will be suffering there's no way around that there's no way getting around that but rejoice in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and follow his ways, not man. Romans 5 continues, because we know that suffering produces perseverance and character and hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And James, one of my favorite books of the Bible, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation or, or face trials of many kind, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect a place, a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And NIV says that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, just at the right time when we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. Who's the ungodly, church? All of us, every one of us are the ungodly, right? We, we all at one time were the ungodly, until, uh, unsaved ones, right? We're all sinners prior to salvation. Until God saves us, we are sinners, right? We are the ungodly. And so without God, we suffer. And we suffer in this world, and we suffer in the world to come. But those who, with God, those who are love God, those who are bound with God, they're going to suffer too on planet earth, but only in this world, not for eternity. And we rejoice in that hope and we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that he has saved us and set us free by the power of God, set us free from eternal damnation. And he is returning one day for the saints of God. And soon and very soon, he's going to rapture us. And this is going to be our blessed home. He's coming back for his bride, for the church, to those who place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And when he's coming back, we don't know, but, but it's soon. But we continue to live and thrive in a fallen world, in a sinful world, as we continue to proclaim the good news of Christ while we have breath and while we live on planet earth. We continue to live according to the holy scriptures and standards that have been set up in this great book. And we continue to rejoice in the hope of our salvation while we were yet sinners. He made a way when there was...
way. He made a way while we were yet sinners. That's great love. He loves us so much. If there was another way, he would do it. God would have done it, right? But he loved us so much that yet while we were sinners, he set a plan and he died for us while we were still powerless, still sinless. He reached out to us and he wanted to save us. And now we rejoice in this hope because hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he given, who he has given us. Now I'm praying for more love, the love of God in my heart, in my life. I hope you are too. I'm praying, oh Holy Spirit, come. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. I pray that you want that too. That we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Set us on fire. Set us on fire with your presence, oh God. Uh, some people don't want his presence. Some people don't want his spirit. Some people think, hey, that's not for today. Miracles are not for today. The Holy Spirit's not for today. But his word says it is for today. His spirit says, his word says he won't pour it out. He's going to pour out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's in full operation today as he was two thousand years ago oh god drench us with your holy spirit oh god send us your spirit send us your power send us your love pour out your spirit on us oh god make us soaking wet with your spirit with your love oh grace abounds and show us your mercy show us your love show us your glory hallelujah that salvation you receive the holy spirit you are a new creation. You are a new creature. Um, but you're not all you can be at that very moment in life here, right? Saved? Yes. Have the Holy Spirit in you? Yes. But there's a work that Christ is still doing in you, right? There's a process. Sanctification. There's a process in you that takes place. And so you need to continue reading your Bible. You continue to need to worship. You need to continue to fellowship with the church and believers. You continue to build relationships with Him and other saints of God and people of God. And you press in more with Him over, over time and you build your love relationship back with Jesus Christ. And while the Spirit of God dwells in you at salvation, He wants to pour out His love on you and in you and he wants you to overflow and bask in his presence at the right time Christ died for the ungodly at the right time he reaches out to you and offered you grace and mercy and love. At the right time, he did it. His perfect timing. And so you and anyone else who hears my voice today, you cannot say that God is not good and God is not just. You are without excuse because he died for you. He died for all people. And anyone, anyone, anywhere living on this earth uh, can reach back out to God and receive his love, grace, and mercy and become his child. But we're not all his children. Many, many, many have rejected his love and his hope. And many have denied the truth of God and the, the truth of God's word. And they remain lost in his sins. And even when he died for them, and even when he prepared a beautiful place for them in heaven, and to be with him forever and ever. And so the unsaved and the ungodly are without excuse. Some feel they have sinned so badly that there's no redemption and no possibility of being saved. Well, let me tell you, that is a lie from hell. As long as you're living, as long as you have breath, as long as you're aware, you have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. But after death, your destiny is locked and loaded. It's final. And, and let me tell you something too. Some people are like, well, I'm not ready to make a decision, blah, blah, blah. Well, no decision or, or, or is no decision. Not making a decision is, is in fact a decision to deny Christ, I should say. If you wonder if you're saved, if you wonder if he can save you, if salvation can be yours, let me tell you, it can be yours today. Just simply ask. Invite him into your life. Pause and cry out to him. Even right now, speak to him from your heart. 
Invite him into your life, right? And you can know him right now in a personal way. Simply say, Lord, I need thee. I need thee. I'm a sinner, oh God. I need thee. Forgive me of my sins and change my heart and change my life and transform me. Give me your Holy Spirit and send me your presence and your love. I, I recognize that you are God. I recognize that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's a miracle. It's a mystery. People don't really understand this. And while I, I don't understand all the things in the Bible, I, I want to live for you, oh God. I want to serve you, oh God, for eternity. And he will hear you and he will answer your prayers and your cries. But listen, church. Those who are hearing my voice, listen up. Salvation is not a free get-out-of-jail card that many people think. Many people want the fringe benefits from God. They want healing. They want hope. They want saving, right? But they don't want suffering. They don't want the crucified life. They don't want pain and sorrow, right? Uh, they just want to avoid hell and damnation. Now, that might motivate you at first, but it's not going to save you. Christ will save you. Christ is the only one that can save you. And you need to put your trust and faith in him and, 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 and have a desire to live for him. He knows your heart. You can't fake it until you make it with God. Right? He knows your heart. And so you need to place all your worries and your concerns in him and him alone. But don't see him as a genie in a bottle like so many people do. Don't, don't do that. You will have suffering, but serve God anyway. Uh, you will have pain, right? Uh, but follow him anyway right? Uh, people will hate you, but love God anyway, and love others anyway. The church might fail you, your family might hurt you, people will let you down, but place all your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, because he is faithful, because he is truth, he is life. Without him is death and damnation and hell, and with Jesus Christ is life. He has overcome death, and he came to give you life, and life more abundantly, and we can rejoice in that hope. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and let me remind you, there's nothing that you did to deserve this love. There's nothing that you did to get this grace and this mercy. And too often Christians think that they're better than others. That they earn their way to salvation and to God because of their good behavior. Well, that's pride in action. Don't think your color or your skin gives you special privileges with God. You're wrong. In fact, that's a racist a, a, a thought. And many people think that their methods are going to save you. Many people think... They're smarter than everyone else. And guess what? You might be the smartest person on planet Earth. So what? Who cares? Because God is smarter than you. Um, God, you will not smart your way into heaven. You need to understand that. You will not smart your way into heaven. Your good looks will not get you into heaven. Your methods will not get you into heaven. Right? There's no, you are no match for his wisdom, his, his understanding, right? his knowledge. It is by love, his love, his grace, his mercy that you are saved as you put your faith and trust in him. Nothing you did would be saved. We simply received that love gift from God, from Jesus Christ. And we have been justified by his blood through faith in Jesus. Now, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we... Were God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more have we been reconciled? Shall how we've been reconciled? Shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through the through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So rejoice in suffering, rejoice in hope, and rejoice in God's glory. God's glory can bring you salvation and joy and peace. Amen. Now, in this next few minutes, as I'm going to start closing, and then we're going to go into communion, so don't leave yet. We are to, um, we are to rejoice 
in God's glory. God's glory points to his spirit, to his beauty, to, to his essence, basically who he is. And we are to rejoice in God's glory. But too often man, man looks to self instead of to, to God, often looks to created things instead of to created God, creator God, I should say. And when we do that, we sin. And Romans chapter 1, 21 through 23, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but think, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. God's glory is where he resides. It's the beauty of his spirit and his essence. And the people make mistakes in that they place their trust in man or earthly things and earthly relationships and in their wealth and their power and their wisdom and their might and their talents and their gifts. But eventually that's all going to go away. That's all going to fade away. And what are you left with, right? Where are you going to end up? And where, you, where will you go? But God's glory is constant. God's glory never changes and never fades away. God's glory is constant. So right now we just see shades of it, shades of his glory in creation and in man and in life. And Psalms 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. But to see more of God's glory is to see his son. Jesus Christ, because it's through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that we gain access to God. We find salvation, and then we have real joy, and real hope, and real peace. And we have the peace um, with God first, and then we will have the peace of God second. Now, shalom means peace. And it's more than the absence of war and conflict. It's harmony. It's being in harmony. Well well-being, the success in all areas of your life, shalom, peace. And when Jesus is our shalom, when Jesus is our peace, we're looking to him instead of looking to man and others. And so when bad things happen, he is our shalom, he is our peace. When churches remain closed too long, he is our shalom, he is our peace. When this virus hangs around too long, when there's looters running around and, and maybe a, a, a boomerang thing is starting to happen who knows he is our shalom he is our peace when we look to God in his glory we see his beauty in creation we see his beauty in people we see the beauty and the potential of people as well and we stay hopeful and we have shalom and we have peace and we see a bright future because we are working with within his glory and and under his covering and protection and provision so we stay close to him because he is our shalom he is our peace he is our rock he is our strong tower and don't allow suffering and pain to bring you down but rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice Acts 10 verse 36 uh, says you know the message of God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of the peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all to experience shalom to experience his peace we need to be united with Christ and justified through faith when you receive Christ you have his peace the peace with God the peace of God 
And you can then say like Micah 7 says, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God who hears me. And with this knowledge, we can rejoice in suffering as our eyes are open more to the things of God. More and more of God's glory will be revealed to you and I. As we rejoice in suffering, in our hope of the glory of God, God is going to pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we prepare for communion, let's just understand this church that you're, you already had a chance for salvation, but now examine your hearts. Examine your hearts. If you have not received Jesus yet, receive Jesus because Holy Communion is for every saint of God. But if you're not saved, don't, don't, don't take this, this communion now, all right? Just listen up. We know that, that people are sick and people die because they take communion wrong. If you go to 1 Corinthians 11, you see this kind of working itself out. But let me just say this. God goes to the cross. Jesus Christ goes to the cross. He died for you and me. He was broken and bruised for you and me. Because of his death and his, his, his burial, his resurrection, we could have life with him. So communion is simply remembering what he did at the cross for us. And so hopefully by now you have your juice and your bread. And we're just going to lead you through, through this moment, this holy, sacred time. I want to pray for this bread and then, I'll, and then we'll receive it. Then I'll pray for the cup and then we'll receive it. I'll say a blessing over you. Lord, I, I pray for this bread, O oh God. As people examine their hearts, O oh Lord, and they remember what you've done on the cross, your body was bruised for us and broken for us. We love you, O oh God, and we're so thankful, Lord, that you took on that pain and shame and suffering for us and that you did this work at the cross. You could have, you, 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 you might have been able to do it some other way, but you knew this was the only way, and so you loved us so much that you did this for us. Bless this bread as we remember you and we take this as a family. In Jesus' name, bless us. Let's break it and take. The Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we, we take this juice symbolic of your blood that was shed on the cross, the stain on the cross, the stain on the floor. We know, Lord, by your stripes we can be healed. And Lord, we're claiming healing of our land, healing of our country, healing of a broken heart, healing, Lord. Oh God, heal us, heal our land, oh God. Transform us, oh Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, by your power. You're an amazing God, you're a good, good Father. Pray blessings over this cup. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Once again, let's do this as a church family. Hallelujah.
you're a good, good father. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our church, what you're doing in our communities. Guide us. Now let me just do a blessing over you as well. And then this is taken from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great, great week. We're, so, we're looking forward to seeing you real soon. We love you and we can't wait to see you face to face. God bless.